I don't think I can have a relationship with my father if he cannot tell people about me. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 65. Today I am speaking with Robin. Hi, Robin. Hi, Lily. Robin with a Y. I love the spelling of your name. Thank you. (laughs) Where are you located? In North Carolina. You had mentioned this to me earlier. You said you're in North Carolina. Um, Can I ask what city? I live in Greensboro, but I'm originally from Miami, Florida. Oh, okay. You are. And how long have you been in Greensboro? Almost 15 years. Oh, Oh, no. North Carolina, almost 15 years. Greensboro for six years, almost seven I lived briefly in Charlotte, North Carolina for um, for a time after college. I, I loved it there. I thought it was beautiful. A little hot for me. I'm a Minnesota girl, but it was <laughs> beautiful. And it's cold for me as a Miami girl. <laughs> ah, that's funny. Of course it is cold for you. All right. So I know where you are at currently, um, but we're going to hear your story today. This is a safe space. I know you said you found out you were an NPE two years ago, and that's all I know about you. So why don't you start at the beginning and tell me who was in your original family? So my original family is very complicated. I'm so sorry. Um, I am one of 10 children. Before my NPE discovery, there were still several different fathers, but we all thought we knew who everybody's father was. Um, I have five brothers and four sisters, one who was deceased since she was an infant. And um, I had one full sibling, one full sister before my MPE discovery. When I was young, around 12, I was placed in foster care. Um, that is also the same time that I met the man on my birth certificate. So my dad, I guess. And I guess that's it for my original family. And you said, did you say the first time you met your birth certificate father was when you were? 12 or 13. 12. I think it was oh, really? the year that I turned 12, uh, 12 to 13. Okay. You're right. That Okay, that is a little confusing. A lot of siblings to begin with. Yes, I have a lot of siblings. And my oldest sibling has a different father than the next, than the next. And the next one was a shared father with me, then a different father for the next, and then a different father for the next two. Skip one who had a different father, and then the last one had the same father as the two after the one after me. 
So it's very complicated. Um, I am the only NPE of all of them. Oh, really? Okay. Once I got my ancestry results and they were a little confusing, I started testing my siblings and did find out that the father of one of my brothers who has been deceased since 1985 is um, not deceased. So that was also a surprise. The father wasn't deceased like you thought? No. No. Um, my, My mom had told us and my brother that his father was deceased that he died in a motorcycle or car accident, I can't remember which, um, and had told us that basically my brother's whole life, and nobody knew otherwise. We had no communication with this other family or, or cousins or anything from that family. Um, but when my brother got his ancestry results back after I sent him a test, he said he was talking to an aunt, and I had a paid, pers- paid subscription to ancestry. So I thought I would find his father's obituary. I thought that would be something that would be nice for him to have, you know, information to find other family members. But in my search for the obituary, I found him living. Um, and my brother has been in communication with him, but like many of the fathers of my siblings, he is not a great parental figure. Okay. I understand. Oh, wow. Okay. So is this how you found out you were an NPE was through the Ancestry DNA test? Yes, but I had, I'm a little slow and I had, I think almost a year, maybe even more than a year prior, might've been two years prior, taken a 23andMe test. And um, I was testing for the gene for celiac disease, which my daughter was diagnosed with. And I did not recognize any of the names in my matches on 23andMe. And I didn't think anything of it just because my mom is not close to her family. And um, I wasn't really looking for that. I was looking for the gene test. But in the genealogy sites, they said that Ancestry has the biggest database and if you do genealogy for family records and stuff, that you should test your olding, oldest living relative. And my oldest living relative is my mom's mom. So I bought a test for my grandmother and drove down to Florida so that she could take it. I also bought one for myself. They were I got the um, Black Friday sale that year. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I went and my mom is my grandma's power of attorney and my grandmother has dementia. So I... I made sure that my mom was okay with me testing my grandma and that my grandma understood that this would connect me to her family because I had to make it probably about an elementary level for her to understand what a DNA test did. And she agreed and she thought it was exciting. So she did it. My mom wanted to do one too. And since I had the extra test that I had bought for myself, I let my mom do that one as well since I was down there. When they came back with no Native American DNA and my mom, my grandma's mom was supposedly full-blooded Native American, my mom said the tests were wrong and encouraged me to take a test so that I would, if my test came back with no Native American DNA, then she would believe it, that it was wrong. We, uh, we have a high percentage of African DNA. 
and I have in my research, I, I think that my grandmother's mother was Melungeon, which is a mixture of African, freed African slaves, Native Americans, and white people who thought everybody should be treated fairly in the same, which makes me feel good about my, you know, where I come from. Mm, yeah. um, so I waited until I could afford another test, which was the Mother's Day ancestry sale. And I took another test. And so, you know, ancestry lists your DNA relatives in order of how much DNA you share with them from greatest to least. So at the top of my list was my mom, which, you know, makes sense because she's my mom. <laughs> and then there was some lady that I did not, I, it was, she had a username. I didn't know who it was. And then there was my grandma. And so my first immediate thought was my sister who passed away when my mom gave birth to her. Um, my mom had insinuated at some times in the past that she might have been taken away and adopted because my mom was a teen mom for a second time in the 1970s and stuff like that happened. Unfortunately, you know, they just secreted them away. Um, but then I realized she didn't share DNA with me or my grandma. So then I thought, well, she must be my dad's daughter or something. Um, so I hadn't talked to him in many years. I gave him a call and I asked him if it was possible that he you know, may, might have fathered a child that he didn't know about. And he said he was a little wild and it was possible, but that he had always tried to be careful. But, you know, anything is possible. So during this time, I was communicating with this match. And um, in, it never occurred to me that my dad was not my dad, just because there are so many dads in my family. <laughs> my, I, you know, I would never have thought that my mom would lie about one. It, it just wouldn't have made sense in the whole scheme of our family dynamic. But I'm talking to this match, and at some point, she says, you know, do you have any um, – it's, it's through lines now, I think, but it had a different term at that time. At that, time that it happened. Do you have matches on both sides of your family? I have matches on my maternal and paternal side is what she told me. And I went and I looked and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I don't recognize any of these names on, on, for my dad's side. Like none of these names match with any of my research or anything. So then I called my mom and I asked her if she knew anybody with the last names of the two most common names in this matches family tree that was public before we matched. And then she made it private. <laughs> um, and my mom comes back with, Oh, I dated a guy named such and such many years ago. He had this job in this section of the military and he looked like this. And, um, he was very handsome and we called him the Kendall. And then I said, well, could he be my father? My mom's immediate response was, no, I made that name up. Unfortunately for my mom, at this point, I still did not know I was an MPE. But when she gave me that name, I could see that not only was this the name of this woman who was my match's father, but I could also see that it was the name of his of his father, and I can see that this woman has a brother. And 
we shared the right amount to send to Morgan's for her to be a full aunt, which then solidified for me that um, I definitely was the child of somebody other than the person that I thought. Hmm. Did your mom give any indication that she knew this was your father? Other than telling me that she dated <laughs> dated this person that mm-hmm. she knew, no. Um, I do know that my pa- parents, I guess the people, my mom and dad, who I my birth certificate father, um, divorced when my mom was just a few months pregnant with me, mm-hmm. and I do remember very vividly from the time that I met my dad on my birth certificate. Um, and his family when I was 12, that when I met one of his sisters, she looked at him and looked at me and said, her eyes are the same color as yours. How can you have any doubt that she's your child? Mm. But (laughs) in hindsight, when Hurricane Andrew hit Miami, when I was a little girl and they had all those military people down there, my mom did try to tell me that somebody else was my dad. And my sister chimed in and said, no, he's not, you know, our dad is our dad and not Mm -hmm. anybody else. And my sister did used to go to our dad's house for Christmas and summers when we were little girls and I was never invited, which now makes a lot more sense. (laughs) But when I was young, I didn't think about it and it never really bothered me. You know, my family was so interesting, our that it never really occurred to me that there, there was an issue. I, I told you I'm a little slow. So, um, but it also explains why I don't look anything like my sister and why my mm-hmm. mom was so adamant about saying how much I look like her, even when growing up and my younger sister was born, my younger sister looks so much more like my mom than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, my my older sister is very petite and curvy with curly hair and um, strawberry blonde. And I am very tall and thin with like almost black hair. <laughs> my hair is very dark brown. Um, so a lot of things, I guess, in hindsight make more sense. I mean, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Of course, that, that happens later and it- it starts to make sense now, the comments, but it sounds like your birth certificate father must have mentioned to one of his family members at some point that he thought you might not have been his child, but that's not something you think about till many years later. Yes. Of course, you rehash these rehash these comments people have made and, well, you were a kid. I think that I was likely one of the reasons for their divorce. I think um, he was also in the military. I think maybe the timing of my conception was an issue with him and where he could and could not be. Mm. Um, And I think that that's fine. You know, I would not want to say married to somebody that got pregnant with somebody else's child while we were married either. He did, I think, try to be a dad, though he did not want custody of me or my sister when we were put in foster care. Oh, oh, that's painful. But I think it had more to do with my mom than with either my sister or myself. Yes. (laughs) So 
I, I totally understand and I don't hold that against him. And I, I think, you know, he, he did the best that he could. We were never close. I think we're closer now after the MPE discovery than we ever were for the rest, you know, the earlier parts of my life. Um, so with my match, she asked for time. I think she had vacation or something that she was doing. And, um, I tried to be respectful and give her time even after I put the pieces together and realized what was going on. Eventually, um, I sent her a message through Ancestry and said, this is where I think our relationship is. Can you please confirm or, or you know, give me other suggestions or something? Um, and I, I proofread that letter like 50 times. I had my husband read it. I had my best friends read it. <laughs> Um, I mean, because these are strangers, really, and mm -hmm. you want them to think that you're at least moderately educated. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, I gave her my phone number and my email address at that time, and she called me and she said, "Hi, this is your aunt." I think I think she knew before I did what the relationship was because she mm -hmm. only has one brother. Um. We have stayed in contact. Eventually, we friended each other on Facebook. And when I saw her picture for the first time, I, <laughs> I almost peed my pants. We look, we look so much alike. Um, and I, I know that I look somewhat like my mom. I do have some features of my mom, but I do not look like my mom. I definitely look like my dad's, my father's side of the family, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um, my husband saw her picture and he's like, oh my God, it's like you in 30 years. So, wow. Yeah. What is your ethnicity? I, I'm, I'm white, but broken down, it's um, English, Scottish, Northwestern European, Greek, a little bit of Italian, a lot of um, Sub Saharan African. And some Nigerian. I can look it up and be more specific than that. No, that's that's inter that's interesting. I was just listening to Libby Copeland talk about if you have sub-Saharan DNA in you, that at some point there was a most likely a slave that was you know impregnated from probably a white owner of some sort. And um, of course, I I don't know what I'm talking about. This is just passing along from what Libby Copeland told me, but I'm just, I'm that wondering. That is definitely your... a possibility. Um, okay. I think in my, I mean, in general, I think in my particular family, with the research that I have done, um, I think that my grandmother's grandmother was a freed slave hmm. who then wow. had a relationship with a white person or um, someone because in census records, she is occasionally listed as Negro. I did not make that term. I'm really sorry if that's offensive. No, um, that's the word they used back then. And yeah. occasionally, and yeah. her children are listed as mulatto. 
Okay. So that's what you found in your so that's, research. That's what I have found mm-hmm. in my research. Yeah. May have been either a relationship or a lot of time it was, you know, may have been non-consensual yes. as well. As and well. and yeah. there's still the possibility that even she was product of a non-consensual relationship. I mean, when you have slavery involved, unfortunately, the reality is that a lot of them had forced relationships and their yeah. children were still considered slaves regardless of appearance. I mean, we know the whole Thomas Jefferson thing too. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I hate to think that that is a part of my legacy. <laughs> yeah. But I also know that a huge portion of my ancestors were in the Union Army, and that gives me a little bit, <laughs> bit mm-hmm. of hope that maybe that's not what happened. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, this is information you're researching and learning years later, but I know I, I get uh, I get shivers and goosebumps too, just thinking of the history and what may have what may have happened. Okay. And your, your mother who had encouraged you to take this, (laughs) this DNA test, how did that come out when you were talking to her about, um, Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I, if my mom had not asked me to test after I gave her the one I intended for myself, I most likely would never have taken an ancestry DNA test. Because my sole purpose for the ancestry DNA test was to help with genealogy. And um, since I had my grandmother tested, um, I had both sides of her, and my mom gave me my grandfather's line. My dad's line was the easiest to research. His his family were very prominent people, and, and it was... I don't know. They were just easier to find stuff about. It was my mom's grandfather, my great grandfather, my my grandmother's father from Greece that I had the hardest time researching, which is why I wanted my grandmother to test in the first place. Um, so my mom is the one responsible for this giant can of worms. Mm-hmm. After she gave me the name of my biological father and then told me it was a lie, I tried to communicate with her a few other times and it, it turned into um, just a big thing where she would call me multiple times a day, multiple days a week to deny that anybody other than the man on my birth certificate could be my father. Gave me sob stories about having been raped by other people, but not my father, uh, either one. Um, Gave me sob stories about how, you know, she would never commit adultery and like all kinds of weird stuff. This is from a lady that has 10 children with, I think, eight different fathers. So I tried really hard to get her to understand that, you know, we all make choices that we feel are best for us at the time that we're making choices. And hopefully as a parent, we make choices that we think are best, not only for us, but also, or especially for our children. And she said that my birth certificate dad, our birth certificate father, was abusive to her. And I can't corroborate. I don't know. Obviously, I was not there. Um, and I, and I, tr- when she said that, I said, well, if you were unhappy in your marriage, I couldn't, I would not necessarily condone cheating, but I could understand why somebody would cheat. 
you know, to try to find something fulfilling that they didn't get in their, in their relationship. Hmm. I tried to make clear to her that I was not judging her for her actions. Like I am obviously grateful that I'm alive. I have four children of my own. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. She just denied and denied and denied. And that combined with what became harassing phone calls um, became very, very stressful to me. So at a certain point I had a mini emotional breakdown and just cried and cried and cried. And I finally, you know, I had been calling my, my BCF, my birth certificate dad intermittently. And he was not answering his phone, which was usual for him, which is probably, which is part of the reason why we are not very close. Um, and the day that I had this meltdown, he just happened to answer when I called and he agreed to take a paternity test with me. And at this point, I mean, there's always that niggling feeling that, you know, maybe the test is wrong. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I am wrong. Maybe my, my birth certificate dad is my dad, you know, and, and my mom telling me these stories and stuff too helped perpetuate that thought. So I drove down to Florida at right before new year's and, um, took a paternity test with the man on my birth certificate and but, you know, they check two forms of ID. You have to both agree that the person that's also testing is the person you think they are, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and we discovered that day that we have the same blood type, which then also made me think, well, maybe, maybe my mom is right. Maybe something did get messed up. Um, anyways, his, this paternity test that we took came back um, 0% chance that he is my fa- biological father. Mm-hmm. And I feel so bad for the gentleman at the paternity testing center or the blood testing center. They also do drug testing and some other things for the court system and jobs. Uh, he felt so bad when he told me, he's like, I'm really, really sorry, but mm-hmm. he's not your father. He's, and he told me, I thought that he was your father. I thought that he would be, especially since you had the same blood type. I'm, I'm really surprised. And I told him, I said, I guess I'm not as surprised as I could have been because I've done ancestry DNA. And I explained to him a little bit about the situation. He was like, Oh, but he still felt bad for being the bearer of bad news, I guess. Um, yeah. And my mom, I sent a, a picture of the paternity test results to my mom. And she said that my husband fabricated it on the computer and that we made it up. And, oh my God. Uh, yeah. Um, and why, you know, and that that company doesn't even do paternity testing and they're not open the day that we had the tests. And she's actually right about that. So when I called the paternity testing site, um, the, the worker happened to be from my area of North Carolina and he recognized my area code on, on the caller ID. So, um, I told them that I needed a paternity test and, and really for my, my mental and emotional health, the sooner would be better. And I could be there these days. And he told, he opened for us. So 
I really kind of owe him for opening so mm-hmm. that we could do this fraternity test. So my mom is not wrong about that. They were technically closed, but they did do our fraternity test and they did check two forms of ID and it is a legitimate testing site. Um, yes. And your, your husband did not make up yes, this paperwork no, we're not on that, Photoshop. No, we're not that creative or talented. <laughs> my husband might be, I'm not, um, but no, we, we're, we're not that creative. So. At this point, I think I had tested my oldest living sister and three of my younger brothers, maybe just two. I'd sent a test to my older brother, but he didn't take it, even though he asked me to send him one. Um, I ordered a test for my sister that we supposedly shared the same father, and she agreed to take one. I drove down to Florida again. a lot of driving wow. to Florida the last couple of years, um, <laughs> which is fine because it's warm down there. I like it. So yeah. she agreed to take the test. All of my siblings agreed that they thought my mom was lying and didn't understand why she wouldn't just be open and honest about whatever the situation was. Um, my sister's test results came back and I couldn't remember the password of the email that I created for her. So that was a minor hiccup. And we had to three-way call Ancestry (laughs) to convince them that she was her and I was me, but that I had access to her test. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we got that all figured out and I saw her test. And of course, she came back as a half-sibling in the Santa Morgan's worth of DNA. She matched my birth certificate dad's sister who had tested for me, who... um, Two of his sisters that I've been in communication with, they have just been really wonderful about this whole situation. And we agree that we're family, even though we are no longer blood related. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sister gets these results and it just confirms she matches our dad. Well, not our dad, I guess, <laughs> anymore. Or matches our dad's family on Ancestry. And my, my, birth certificate dad's son from another marriage had also tested for me, did not show up in my matches, but showed up as a half brother to my sister. Um, And that I think just confirmed it for everybody that knew the story. And my mom still now it's almost, it's two and a half years. I think this, cause it started in summer of 2018. Um, my mom still denies the truth of it. I finally went public on my Facebook um, recently. You know, the pandemic, you get bored. You go online a lot more than you're normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just posts, you know, I'd really like to meet the guy that, suppose- that I supposedly had sex with. And, you know, just a bunch of random strange things. And a friend of mine responded to her, well, we all know that she took a paternity test with the man, you know, that's supposed to be her father and he's not. So if he's not her father, who is? And my mom never responded to that comment. (laughs) I purposefully do not bring it up in conversation anymore because I cannot handle the stress of it. And it really is painful to me that she won't just tell the truth. That she won't just admit it. And, and I don't even, I can't even fault her 
for lying in the first place. Like, you know, when you're a kid and you don't want to do your homework and you tell your parents, I don't have any homework. (laughs) That's great. And I totally understand that. But when your parents go to your book bag and they're like, what's this worksheet here? And then you have to say, I lied, I'm sorry. Or, you know, you don't even have to be sorry about it. Just admit it. You've, you've been confronted with the truth. You have to own, own that truth. But I feel like she's being presented with her homework and still denying that she has any. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel like I have become close to my aunt. My mom thinks my aunt is a scammer and trying to get my money. Um, I don't have a lot of money. We have four children. (laughs) We're we're not like rolling (laughs) in the dough. I don't know what my mom thinks. Um, And I have tried reasoning with her, you know, well, how do I match DNA with you and grandma? And now all of my siblings, except for the one who is deceased and my older brother have tested as half siblings. How do they all match you as their mom? How do they all match their right paternal families? And just, I don't. And she does not ever have an answer except she did not sleep with anybody while she was married to my dad. And I have just had to acknowledge that I cannot expect anything more from her than lies. And and wanting her to tell me something other than lies is setting myself up for disappointment. Um, I met my aunt in October of 2019. I think I flew out to the state where she lives. Um, and it was so nice and her husband is very nice and they feel like family I mean, even my husband likes them and he had, and he hadn't, he hadn't even met them yet. They visited this past summer during the pandemic. We, we sat outside in my backyard. Um, they surprised me. <laughs> they worked uh, with my husband so that I had no idea what was going on until my aunt sent me some weird text message. <laughs> like there's a weird car in your driveway. And I thought that she was texting a neighbor and just hit my phone number by accident or something. Mm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Again, I'm a little slow. <laughs> so, um, I showed it to my husband and he was like, you should go outside and check. And I'm like, why would I check our driveway? Obviously she can't see our driveway from where she lives. He's like, just go outside and check. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? So I opened my door and they're just out there <laughs> in their truck. Um, so they have met my children socially distanced, uh, obviously outside, and we were we all sat really far apart. Um, and it was just nice. It was, it was very nice. And um, she wanted to see you and your family. That's sweet. Yeah, it was really nice. And then, because everybody wants to get together during a pandemic, I get a text message from my father, uh, my biological father asking me to meet him for dinner in a local restaurant to me in, in the state that he does not live in. And 
I, I thought maybe he was trying to plan a meeting at some point, you know, and I, it was just kind of like now. And he said, yes. And so I had not showered <laughs> or anything. <laughs> I don't even know if I brushed my hair that day. Things get crazy in the pandemic. Um, and we drove over. Well, I went alone. I drove over to the restaurant and um, I could tell that it was him from far away. I should mention that I can't see very well. <laughs> so, But I could tell that it was him because of his body language. And I got out of the car, you know, after with my mask on and stuff, we, we were safe and um, walked up to him. And the first thing he said was, you walk just like me. And mm. it's true. We, we, my body language is very similar to my paternal family's body languages. Um, and we really do walk this, we walk the exact same way. It's so strange. Um, and we talked for two hours at this little Thai restaurant near my house. And um, it was nice. And I'm glad I got to meet him. I don't know if I will see him again. Okay. Does he have any kids? No. Nope. Other than you, of course. <laughs> no. Um, so back in 2018, <laughs> the, um, I was communicating already with my aunt. We were becoming friendly already. And she forwarded him that last thoroughly proofread letter that I told you about earlier. Um, and he eventually called me, I think December of 2018 was our first conversation, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I asked, you know, did he remember my mom? And his response was that they were young and foolish. And I asked him if he had children and he said no, that it was just wasn't in the cards for him and his wife. He did not cheat on his wife, I think is very important to mention. They did not meet until I think I was kindergarten age, um, at least based on the information that I have. Mm -hmm. I don't think his wife knows that I exist still. And okay. um, that is kind of sad for me. <laughs> yeah, that is sad. Yeah. And I feel like for me anyways, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. I'm so sorry. <laughs> if I wanted to have children and I couldn't, and then I found out that I then had the opportunity to have a child, even if it's a stepchild and grandchildren that I would be ecstatic but that's just me. And I don't know this woman, so I don't know how she would feel. But I don't, I don't think she knows. Um, and I personally, I don't think I can have a relationship with my father if he cannot tell people about me. To not acknowledge his own daughter is beyond painful. But I also, in this catch-22 situation, 
I also understand that he has lived his whole life with the assumption that he couldn't have children and didn't have children. And he has, you know, lived his life and made plans based on the, this information. And he obviously knows his wife better than I do. Maybe she would not be happy to have the opportunity to have a stepchild and grandchildren. I, I can't say. And while I want to be acknowledged, I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> by their parents? I have, I have to understand that, and I do, that I don't want to ruin his life. I'm sorry. I, if, if he knows sorry. his life and she would get upset, then I don't want her to get upset. You know, they've, they've been married for a long time. I, I would not wish that for him. But I cannot... I cannot emotionally invest myself in a relationship with someone that cannot do the same with me. And, exactly. And that makes me sad. And it makes me mm -hmm. sad for my children too, because my children have never known the man on my birth certificate. And the man who became my foster father, he was such a wonderful person. He was a great dad. But he passed away literally a few months before I took my ancestry DNA test. And my husband's dad, who is very charming and sweet, is also not a very involved parent, let alone grandparent. And that makes me sad for my children. Because we always want, well, I guess not always my mom. Um, <laughs> I want my children to have family. And I, and I don't know if family is so important to me. Because subconsciously, I've always been aware that I was a little different. Or if family is important to me because I grew up in foster care. Or if it's just inherently part of who I am, you know, but I wish that I could call up my father and not have to worry about if he's got, if I'm getting him in trouble with his wife, if she's going to start thinking he's cheating or something because he's hiding phone calls or text messages, or if I could call up his wife and ask her for a recipe for potato salad or something. I don't know, you know, mm -hmm. and I think there's a really fine line between reality and what we want to happen. And, and it obviously is a two-way street because I can want ABC, but my father could want XYZ. And we don't necessarily have to want the same things. And not wanting the same things does not make either one of us bad people. I know that for NPEs in general or people that have found themselves in this situation. A lot of them are really angry at their moms for lying. And I totally get that. Um, and I, I'm not mad at my mom for lying in the beginning. Like I genuinely am not. I feel like she 
did what she did to make the best of the situation that she found herself in. I do think she knew that I was not my birth certificate dad's daughter or child. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was born and I looked enough like her and enough like him coloring wise, he also has dark hair and light eyes that she used that to her advantage. And she really pushed um, how much I looked like her. I mean, she called me little Debbie growing up to emphasize how much I looked like her, but she also called me her smart child, which my siblings are plenty smart, but she referred to me as the, the brains. Um, and I think that I'm only angry with her for lying in the face of the truth, if that makes any sense. Yes. It's just the behavior since finding out yeah. that has been particularly hurtful. I, I understand that completely. Yes. And it, and it does hurt. You know, you think I'm an adult and it shouldn't bother me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and it shouldn't bother me so much, but it really does. And, and, you know, I don't need anybody to teach me how to ride a bike or talk to me about dating <laughs> or any of those things. But I really would like to have a dad and the man who, essentially raised me. His name was Joe, but I called him Big Joe because I also have a brother named Joe. Um, I think losing him right before this situation <laughs> made it that much harder. And it made me or makes me want so much more, I guess. Um, and I know that if Big Joe was alive, that he would be on the phone with my biological father and telling him to man up. Mm -hmm. And um, in that old timey, you know, grew up in the depression kind of way, like you have to do yeah. what's right. And I want so much for what is right for me to be what is right for my biological father but I don't think it is. And so I'm just left with knowledge and dreams and a whole lot of really wonderful aunts. <laughs> <laughs> I think out of the whole situation that health history, which is really important, especially having a child with an autoimmune disease. It's really great to have accurate health history. Mm -hmm. um, I know that my grandmother and one of my paternal aunts had breast cancer, so that's important to know. Um, and I think speaking with my aunts and, and feeling for the first time in my life that I kind of fit in, it's really nice. But I can't make my father want to be a father. 
And in our first conversation on the phone, when he called that December, um, he said, I don't know how to be a, a dad. And I told him, that's okay. I don't need one. And I don't because I'm an adult. But that doesn't mean I don't want one. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know. I wonder sometimes if I just want too much. No, I, Robin, you, to want to be accepted and loved by our parents, that's, that's natural. That is, we will say, because it makes us feel more comfortable that all we want is some health history and maybe to meet them. But so many of us, myself included, we want to be accepted. We want to be loved. And to not be is incredibly painful. It's devastating. Yes. And I feel like my paternal aunt, my my new one, I feel like she is very, I mean, I don't know if she loves me. I love her a lot. <laughs> um, mm. But she definitely accepts me and my family. And mm-hmm. um, her husband, too. They've just been really wonderful people. And my birth certificate dads, two sisters that I've been in communication with, too, they constantly communicate with me you know we call each other and stuff um and they have just been a true blessing too and I feel like I have gotten a bunch of really lousy parents (laughs) biologically (laughs) which is not a very nice thing to say my mom is not a very good parent I my father didn't even have an opportunity my foster parents were really wonderful to me and I didn't grow up with aunts and uncles and stuff. Um, my foster parents took me in. They were in their 50s or 60s already. And um, I just have a really lot of, a lot of really good aunts, <laughs> I guess. Is, at the end of the day, that's the easiest thing to say. I have a lot of really good aunts. And I am very, very grateful for them. And... I try to remind myself that I I am very, very lucky and very blessed to have these people in my life, even if I don't have all the things that I wish I could have in my life, you know, yeah. and my siblings, even the ones that struggle with some things, I really love them and I'm so glad to have them in my life. Mm. And I'm so sorry that I'm so emotional. I thought I could talk about this by now without without getting all emotional. But I lied to myself, apparently. Robin, it's a natural response. <laughs> I, can, I can feel the love and gratitude you have for your aunts and your half-siblings. And and I I bet, you know, I spoke with you off the record for quite a bit today. And you fill your home with children and family. And I bet it's because of your own upbringing that being a mother and and a loving parent is, is that much more important to you? You've broken that cycle. I hope so. I think we're all trying to break my mom's cycle. And some of us are doing more successfully than others with that, unfortunately. Back to the NPE thing. My older children know, because, I mean, they're old enough to know. My oldest son wants to do ancestry, but I told him he has to wait till he's older. And um, my 13-year-old 
loves my paternal aunt. I think he loved her before I did. And I don't, and he's only talked to her like once on the phone and, and met in person that one time this last summer. But they have stuff in common too that is just so weird and random. Like, I really like funky socks. <laughs> and my son really likes funky socks. And my aunt does too. And just, just funny stuff like that. You know, it's, I think. I think even without the relationships that we have the potential to build, if people are willing to, you know, be part of that, I think just knowing that there is a place where there, where there's a place where I am not an anomaly where, where I kind of fit in. I like knowing that there is somebody out there that I look like and that I have things in common with. Um, and I try to focus on that when I get upset about the other parts. Hmm. Robin, if people want to get in touch with you, would it be best that they contact the show and I will funnel them your way? Would you prefer that? Yes, please. So if anyone wants to know more about Robin, they can contact me at npestories at gmail.com. Robin's uh, story, R-O-B-Y-N, is episode 65. And Robin, thank you for going to that place today and sharing everything and how it felt in your whole story today. I, I really appreciate it, and it meant a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us. Thank you.